Welcome to Libre Lounge, a podcast about free software, free culture, and all the other interesting aspects of user freedom. With Christopher Lemmer Weber and Serge Broklowski. Hey, Chris. Hey, Serge. Wow, we're back after quite a break there. Yeah, uh, a lot of traveling, maybe too much traveling for for my personal taste, but you know, a lot of good things came out of it. So, so overall, I'm pretty happy. Yeah, we were at uh, Fosdem and then at CopyleftConf. Uh, so, Fosdem, the European Free Software uh, Conference, and the first uh, CopyleftConf, a conference organized by Software Freedom Conservancy, focusing on um, the free software licensing and uh, copyleft in particular, I think, yeah. is kind of their bend. And the Wizard's Tower, Wizard. Yeah, we're going to talk about the Wizard's Tower a little later. Um, so I thought for people that haven't been to a free co- software conference that we would talk about what that experience was like. Like, what's it like going to a free software conference? What What should you expect if you've never been to one? Um, so I think... So one thing that I think you and I both uh, uh, really enjoy about conferences, maybe, and actually it's probably the number one thing for me, is actually the connect, the human connection side of things. Uh, uh, spending time directly with people who are also excited about the same things that I'm excited about is, I think, what I am really uh, tend to enjoy a lot. Yeah, because we're, we're kind of solitary creatures in, in this free software movement, and that you know, we spend a lot of time at our computers. Maybe we're developing, or even if we're even if we're communicating on mailing lists or IRC or whatever, you know, it's kind of solitary. And and you know, you can feel like it's you against the world sometimes when it's just you know you on a computer working on your project. But now you have well, in the case of Fosdem, eight thousand other people who are similarly passionate about the same ideals and the same projects and um, they have different experiences but you have this this commonality and that's a really amazing energy and it's really positive and and affirming so i agree it's it's like the best part is just being there and being part of that that um community yeah um and i think that so so the the other nice thing is you know i mean so most conferences have uh um you know a number of talks and panels and and going to those talks and uh, listening to those panels can be a really great way to learn things, uh, and presenting in them can uh, not only be a great way of sharing information, but also be a way of learning things, right? You know, teaching is sometimes the best way to learn. Um, and 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 so that, I mean, I think that that's on the book, like on the pamphlet, usually the biggest draw that people see firsthand is like, oh, look at all these cool talks you're going to see, though I'm not sure if that actually ends up being the most important kind of thing that I often take away from these conferences. What do you think? Yeah, so I agree. It's you. You go to the conference because you're you're looking forward to to these talks. Um, you're looking forward to to hearing about something that's that you're probably already have experience in, right? So a project that you already know about, or at least have some familiarity with. And then you you hang around and you find out there's a new project or a new technology that you had no idea was going on in that, and that's exciting and interesting and fun, and and then yeah you you, you kind of go from there. Um, the thing that I really like is that you know you go to these conferences and you meet people 
that maybe you've been talking to for years and you've never had a chance to, uh, you've been talking to online, right? You've, you've emailed back and forth, you've, you've done an IRC, maybe you've exchanged pull requests or whatever. And, um, and now you get a chance to, to you know, sit down in with them and, and talk with them and you connect with them in a, in a very different way. And that's exciting. And, and also um, there are people, if you keep going, you're gonna see the same people. And you're going to see those people year after year, and it feels a lot like a family reunion. You know, you're going and you're you're reconnecting and reaffirming your relationship in the in the community, and that's that's also really powerful. Um, and then there's this great uh, hallway, you know, the, the, what people call the hallway track, right? And I think you can speak to that. I, I definitely had that experience. This was my first FOSDEM, um, and I had some of the best conversations. Just just in the middle of the, of a hallway, not, not actually attending a class. And I'm sure you had similar experiences. Yeah. I mean, so this year, I mean, you and I both, uh, we're not going to get into them in this particular episode though. Maybe we'll pull some people in, in future episodes. I think that we got a lot of exciting conversations, especially around decentralized technology with people who have worked on it. And we're like, Oh man, this is like great material. And uh, you know, that hallway track is, you know, the place where, where that tends to happen. Um, and, um, and I agree with you that oftentimes this ends up being a gathering place for friends. And there's there's even a downside to that, I think, actually, in that you can feel a lot of pressure when you go to a conference once where you kind of feel like, oh, I've got to go back year after year. And, and, and I find – so here's what I find about conferences. I tend to find that every conference I go to, say the conference is a week long, I f- tend to find that it actually takes three weeks because there's a week before of preparing – talks and preparing travel and getting ready and everything and then there's a week at the conference and then the week afterwards i'm usually kind of destroyed so um but the nice thing is is that there tends to be it also a lot of this main work that i do happens between conferences but then at a conference tends to be when a lot of things congeal uh like when a lot of uh um when when I make connections that may have just really felt in the background for a while, yeah, that makes total sense, right? And and it's also because you get that you get the people there, and it's 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 like a you know it's it's like a stew, right? Like all the pieces are in place and they're together, so something new is going to come out of it, and that that absolutely makes makes a ton of sense. Um, yeah. So yeah, I think we should talk about your Wizards Tower, the the because I didn't I didn't attend that, so I'm interested to hear about it. Um, but before we do that, we should mention that if you're listening before um, March, uh, the end of March in 2019, that uh, the two of us will be at Libra Planet, and that'll be uh, March 23rd and 24th, uh, 2019. And we were thinking that we, we got some amazing uh, feedback from listeners at uh, FOSDEM. People came up to um, mostly you, but also me and and talked about how much they love the show, which was really, um, really great to hear. And um, some people had some some um, practical feedback, which was also amazing. Um, so we were thinking if people want to, we could have a little informal get-together at uh, Libra Planet. So if you're interested in that, um, it'd be great if you would email podcast at libralounge.org. And if we get a few people, um, we'll announce something that we'll all do. We'll all get together and hang out. I think that'd be fun. Yeah. We should clarify. Cambridge 
in uh, Massachusetts. Massachusetts. Uh, <laughs> yes, not not in the UK. I want to hear about this Wizard's Tower thing. Right. So the Wizard's Tower is kind of a renaming in a certain sense. It was originally planned uh, by, as an indie webcamp event, um, but then it kind of became its own thing. Um, so I'm forgetting. Uh, so Sebastian uh, Loss, I think is how you pronounce his last name. Uh, um, I should know because I spent a week hanging out with him. Uh, um, ended up planning this conference and uh, um, due to some uh, kind of a a leadership failure that was not Sebastian's, uh, he and I ended up being the only ones there, which was really weird because this uh, this this tower that we were in was in uh, Lissingen and the Never- Netherlands, and it was this epic tower, like uh, like I think like eight or nine stories tall, with like uh, six rooms that people can sleep in with two beds each. So, so it was like an, an actual literal tower. It was a literal tower. It used to be That's a water awesome. tower, and it looked amazing, and it was so cool to be in, and uh, um, you could crawl to the top of it and or like climb to the top of it and look out there, and there were like floors for conference rooms, and there was. A, a kitchen that we cooked stuff in you went to the basement there was an arcade game and there were a couple of you know so like it had everything and it was so cool um and then there were just two of us so we decided okay well we're going to make the best of this and we're going to do you know uh, the original plan was always to do this hackathon and we just went with it and uh um and it was convenient timing because you know i wanted to I knew that there was going to be an announcement. We'll get to what that announcement is later. But I, um, as some people know, I've kicked off this project called Sprightly, um, which is kind of trying to level up the Fediverse is how I'm describing it. So trying to level up the decentralized slash federated social web by adding these new features. And I pushed out the first demo of it uh, called Golem. Um, I think we don't want to talk about what Golem is. We'll save that for maybe the next episode. Um, if- yeah, well, we can even talk about it at the end. Let's talk about the experience. And I, I know you had briefly mentioned maybe you wanted to do it again next year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah. I, think, I think it'd be useful to talk about that. Um, yeah. And then, yeah, then I think maybe we'll get into the, the guts of of Gollum and Sprightly. Okay, yeah. So At least, at least not, maybe not the guts, at least describe the project. Yeah, so I... Uh, um, so yeah, like I said, I thought the space was really cool. I think Sebastian did a really great job picking it out and uh, um, and and organizing everything. Uh, like like I said, I think that he uh, everything Sebastian did was uh, uh, really well organized on his part. And actually, we, we had this conversation afterwards. Like, wow, this is an amazing space. Like, I've never been in a space that had you know. If we did get a large number of people in this space and had like made it an intentional goal, like let's get some cool, like a group, a cool group of people in the free and open source software space, or maybe in the decentralized social web space or whatever, and then just have a week to just knock out some cool stuff. Like I cannot imagine a cooler location. Uh, the Like, like a mass hackathon. Yeah. And like, the cool thing is, is that you can also sleep there um, because like, you know, there's the rooms there and then you, there's also a kitchen. So like it has everything so that you can just focus and do everything in there. But if you want to go out and explore the, the beautiful city of Lissingen, you can also do that. Um, so I I really had a blast. And it was highly productive for both myself and Sebastian. We both knocked out, um, uh, uh, you know, I knocked out a, a complete demo. And uh, Sebastian's demo got uh, really, really close and actually did demonstrate the core of, of what they were doing. And, and I think we... Um, yeah, we felt really excited about it. It was one of those, not all hackathons actually kind of deliver things in them, but this one, uh, I, I really felt like we did. And it, it really made me feel like, wow, like I, 
I really want to repeat this experience. Yeah, that sounds amazing. And I feel like I feel like I, I wish I was there. Um, I think probably people, anyone listening is probably thinking the same thing, which is, wow, I wish I was there. So I think it'd be great if you organize that next year or got someone to organize that next year. I would definitely do my best to attend. Cool. So um, do we want to talk about the demo or sh- do we want to just knock that off to the next episode? Well, no, I think we should talk about it. But actually, you you gave you gave um, three talks in, in the span of three days. So I kind of think you should talk to a Talk about those talks, right? The, I mean, you, you, I don't, I don't want to give them away, right? But I was at, I was at all three, um, right? And you, you, you gave one about. Uh, wait, wait, about, wait, wait, wait. Let's not okay. get ahead of ourselves because there's something okay. that happened at the end of the Wizard's Tower thing, which is like okay. pretty significant. Which was the okay. the grant announcement. Oh, that's huge! Yeah, right, yeah. Right. So you should talk about that okay. first. So <laughs> absolutely. So when we, you know, I, I knocked out this demo, and right at the same time that I was knocking out the demo and pretty much pushing it public. Um, uh, this sprightly demo, which showed off, uh, I'm going to just describe it very briefly. It basically described how to share um, messages over the Fediverse in a um, secure, peer-to-peerish way, where if one server went down, the, the contents could survive, but while still being private between the intended recipients. And so I got the demo working, and right as that happened, uh, the, there was an announcement that came out about the Samsung Stack Zero grant. Uh, of which I'm a recipient, um, and Sprightly specifically is a recipient. So that's amazing. Yeah. So, so if I understand, I mean, I read the announcement, and it sounds like you're gonna get paid to work on this next generation federated web thing that you're working on. I mean, I'm, I'm being vague on purpose, right? Because because I want you to talk about it. But it, it, you're you know you're getting you're getting actual money to work on this amazing next generation project that's right so um it's uh so the money is it's split out across two years it's not a complete salary's worth of money uh on its own but it is enough for me to be able to work on this full time with a small amount of contracting on the side um so i should be able to put in a full 40 hours per week on sprightly the the cool thing is is that um uh so so what i applied for was to say, you know, look, there's all these things that the Fediverse can currently do and all these things it currently can't. You know, we don't have all as many of secure uh, interactions as we like. The interactions aren't quite as rich as we'd like. Um, you know, we, so, so, but I have ideas on how to be able to do a lot of these things. And also like, you know, we'd like it so that if, you know, a server goes down, that's not as big of a deal and stuff like that. So the idea behind Sprightly is that, um, I have a lot of ideas on how to improve all these things, but the, the danger is trying to do them all at once, sorry, could result in just vaporware, right? Like I never actually push out the project. So instead, in Sprightly, I'm going to release out, release piece by piece independent demos that each show off a single concept on how to upgrade the Fediverse, along with both documentation and running code, so that people implementing things on the Fediverse can be like, oh, Look at this next thing I can do if I just implement the ideas from this demo. And the, each demo should be like simple enough to understand it in like an evening. You know, you just sit down and you're like, I want to understand Golem. You should be able to just sit down that evening, read through the docs, read through the code and be like, okay, I've got it. Um, so that's the general idea. The other goofy thing. And uh, so, Serge, you know, I'm, I get nervous every time I bring this up, uh, even though I, I keep finding that people 
tend to find it a little bit less ridiculous and and a little bit more exciting than I'm afraid they're going to react. Um, but but there's the the kind of driver of the project, which is you know what we're going to aim for releasing, which is a decentralized you know federated social game, uh, and kind of like uh, kind of like a mud basically. Uh, um, yeah. So so for those people who may not have ever used a mud. Um, MUDs were this amazing experience uh, in the 80s, and I used them in, in the 90s when I was first getting on the internet. And um, for anyone who's who's um, used uh, played a game like Zork or any other of these, the genre called interactive fiction, right? So you're interacting with this world all through text and um, typing and reading. Um, a MUD was like that, only with all of this personal social interaction in addition to the adventure and it was it was really exciting for all kinds of different reasons um i mean i remember you know i'd be fighting a monster and then simultaneously talking to my friends and whispering you know telepathically whispering to them about you know what was going on in my real life while i'm fighting this monster while i'm also strategizing about where we're going to meet and and often these games were were programmable and you could build objects in the game that were interactive right you could make something that was unique and uh and you could share it and and give it away or whatever and like i remember um one of the first muds that i was in i i got invited by some people that i met in the computer lab and they uh they invited me to this mud and I went into this room and it was like a, um, it was, it was, it was, it was like a, a bar, a pub, um, that you'd find in, in a D and D adventure. Right. So, so it was, uh, there were tables and there were people at all these tables and it was snowing outside. There was a roaring fireplace and everyone was speaking in a language that I couldn't understand. It was all babble and it was all garbled and I was really freaked out. And then, uh, uh, in the game, a guy like grabs me and it says like so-and-so grabs you and shoves a fish in your ear and the fish wriggles. And it says like the fish wriggles into your ear and you can feel it squirming and, and suddenly you can hear and understand everyone. And it was a babble fish and it was so fascinating and interesting and, and exciting. Um, and I also remember at that same, um, you know, at, at that same tavern, like R2-D2 was just there and like, you know, just hanging out. And, uh, and it, was, it was really a unique experience that nothing has come close to. And so my understanding of this project that you're working on is that you're going to make something like this that everyone can build and interact with like they can on the Fediverse, like they can on Mastodon or PixelFed or... Or, or all those services, right? Yeah, so that's the goal. Um, I think we'll save the 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 details of how that can the be accomplished for another, another episode. Sure. Uh, but I will say also, if that sounds you know overwhelmingly complex, like for us to deliver, you know, I um, then actually it's not a big deal in my view if we fail on that vision. Though, of course, I'm going to try my best to not do that. In the sense that a lot of these times when people have tried to build these kinds of large distributed games, something really exciting ends up actually coming out of it anyway. And I think with the demo that I released already, we're, we're starting to see, um, I think somebody who pays close attention can start to see, oh, like I can see how this builds toward 
that vision. So I, I'm yeah, but I'm excited. And I think I think anyone who who's hearing you, um, you know, who cares about the culture that we've built, and I mean the free software culture and the, the user freedom culture and just geeky culture in general, like understands the grok, the the power an expression, you know, the expressiveness of this experience and is excited for, for this project and for this grant that, that's allowing you to work on this. This is, this is really amazing, Chris. Yeah. I'm really excited and I'm really thankful that I got it and I'm going to do everything in my power to make sure I deliver well on it. So, so let's talk more about things you did. Uh, You gave two talks at FOSDEM and one at CopyLeft Conf. And um, so I attended your first talk uh, well, I attended all of them actually. So your first talk that I attended was the one on um, Racket and Guile. So I'll admit that I am not at this point an avid Lisper. I I used to use Lisp a little bit, but um, haven't for for quite a long time. And there's, I guess, in the, the land of Lisp, which uh, I don't mean the book, I mean the the ecosystem of of Lisp programming languages. Um, there's an offshoot off, uh, called Scheme, and then I guess there's kind of two most popular schemes at this point, right? One being Guile, the Guile project coming out of the GNU pro- uh, coming out of the GNU project, so it's GNU Guile, and the other being Racket, which used to be called PLT Scheme. Um, back when I used uh, Lisp, it was called PLT Scheme, and I guess it's been renamed Racket for a while. And and you're an experienced Guiler who. I guess picked up Racket and has been using it for a while, and and you talked about your experience with that. So, um, uh, so we're going to link to the videos because they're they're out. So if you want to watch them in detail, you can. Um, so, so I'm a big enthusiast of both languages uh, and um, and both communities, and and actually, in many ways, this talk was something I was very nervous about giving, and uh, because I didn't want to upset people who were already in the Guile community, a lot of which are my friends by being like, oh, you know, like I, I didn't want it to sound like, oh, well, you know, Guile's the past, Racket's the future, or something like that, because that's not my intention or my thought. Um, uh, but I, I, so I showed off a number of, I showed, so one of the, the basically the talk was about, um, my friend Arnie described it afterwards as, uh, um, I showed off why Racket delivers a lot of shiny things that we don't have directly in Guile that may make it a lot easier for people to pick up and start running with faster. But Guile still has a lot of things that are also really valuable, such as the uh, Geeks Package Manager and stuff like that. And I think the real goal of that talk was to try to get both communities to think about, well, you know, both of our communities are doing such cool things. How, How can we work together better? Yeah, that makes sense. It was a great talk, and and we'll absolutely link to it in the show notes. Um, and then the the other talk uh, at FOSDEM was a panel, and you you did a lot of speaking at that panel. Like I would say that you you were um, talking uh, majority of the time, but it was a it was a talk about ActivityPub, and so it makes sense that you would have a lot of strong uh, views about that. Yeah, and I kind of awkwardly performed two roles that you really shouldn't perform both at once, which is I was both kind of the moderator. And a speaker, and then I kind of took over a number of things, and I I, I apologize to my co-panelists for that. Uh, but what the main reason for that is that the person who was going to moderate it uh, couldn't make it. Um, so, but I what you know we opened it up with a number of questions between you know we had somebody there from GoFed, we had somebody there from uh, uh, PixelFed, and somebody there from Funkwhale, and uh, um, 
wait, no, it wasn't pixel fed. It was, uh, um, you had someone from rightly, right? Someone right, from, right, yeah. uh, yeah. <laughs> you're correcting me on my, uh, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. So, it, so we, um, I don't think we had somebody from PeerTube, but, uh, um, but yeah, you're right. So we, we had somebody from right.as and we had somebody from funk whale and we had someone from, uh, uh, GoFed, and then there is me. And, uh, and you know, we, we started off kind of with a few questions between each other and then threw it at the audience. And, uh, um, you know, I got a number of, uh, we I had quite a bit of conversation after the fact where, you know, um, some people were a little bit surprised and really intrigued with how some things went, especially the conversation about, um, you know, why activity pubs server to server protocol has taken off and it's client to server hasn't yet. And whether or not there's some opportunities there by doing both. Uh, I know the GoFed person had a lot of thoughts on that. Um, and there's a, just a blog post that came out recently uh, that that was uh, referencing that 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 we can link to uh, called Mastodon is not just a server and why that's not necessarily a good thing um, and uh, um, and and this woman does a really nice uh, breakdown about you know the the thing that we could have and and so it's nice to see somebody you know watch the panel and walk away and and, and keep you know thinking about those things that's the kind of thing that I think you really want out of these things is to have the audience engaged enough to continue the conversation after you know the actual event yeah i agree um so then uh after fosdem was over uh we had another conference like the next day uh copy left conf um, which we mentioned run by the software freedom conservancy and you gave the well there were two tracks but you gave essentially the second talk um and uh, a lot of speakers referenced your talk afterwards which was very cool and it was about um, it was about the, the, the ways in which this, especially with the sprightly project where you have the idea of these objects that live independently running on the network. Um, you know, sorry about the, 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 uh, siren there, cause I, I am in New York city. Um, but you know, you, you talked about how you'd have these objects and they can kind of live independently on the network. It kind of reminded me of the, of the matrix. Right. And at the same time, we, we in the free software community have, embraced the Allegro GPL, the AGPL for um, network services and, and how those two, um, those two things are not necessarily incompatible, but they present some challenges, right? Is that, is, is that, is that the right take home lesson from, from your talk? Yeah, I think so. Um, so, I mean, I, I, I'm still a supporter of the AGPL. Um, you know, I, I've used it for my own projects, and I think that, you know, for quite a few projects that have picked it up, it makes a lot of sense. Um, the AGPL, we should say, is the, the thing that makes it different from the GPL is it also adds a requirement for um, for that that if you if you serve an application running it over the network, that you you also have the same requirement to distribute the program. So uh, under the AGPL's terms, so so that. I think makes a lot of sense in general. Uh, the way in which things get end up complicated is I, I kind of walk into in the talk into uh, a couple of things. As you mentioned, you know, if you if a lot of your objects are kind of so, there's this idea of the actor model, which is that you have all these objects that are um, instead of your program running just like on a, as a single program in you know on a single process where you know just functions are just calling each other. Uh, as subroutines, you actually can imagine every object is kind of living its own little life 
and it's sent it's only communicating by sending messages it kind of in the same way that you you know like you and i send emails to each other um and if you break up every object in your program that way then things get kind of awkward around like the gpl faq says well you know where does the GPL boundaries apply? You know, um, there's this idea of arm's length. And then the question is, well, what happens when every object in your system is kind of at arm's length of each other, especially if you can split all those objects across a bunch of different machines? Uh, yeah, it's really exciting. So we should, we, we'll, we'll, link, we'll link directly to your talk because you've got awesome slides and and there's a lot more. And, and you can get in and then talk, you get, you get into yeah, yeah. that. There's, there's a... a I won't get into it, but I guess since I said half of it, I'll mention the other half, which is that things also get complex um, if you kind of do an Emacsy type environment where there's very little distinction between configuration and code. Uh, and some of the stuff that I'm exploring goes down that route. And then that gets really weird if somebody has private code that may reference um, stuff that really does link into the program, but they really, for good reason, shouldn't be sharing. Uh, like, for example, if you had programmed in a local block list that, that really was code in that block list, uh, um, like, you know, maybe it's for your own, prote- it's important for your protection to actually not be sharing that block list. So, as you said, the talk gets into more details. So, if somebody's interested, uh, they can look at it. I don't think the video has been released yet, but it might be by the time this episode comes out. I'm not sure. Yeah, I, I, hope, I hope it will be. Um... And frankly, if if it's not, what we'll do is we'll um, we'll announce it. We'll announce when we have um, that that talk. Uh, when, once we have the URL for the video, because um, the the talk that I was really inspired by was the keynote my, by Molly DeBlanc, uh, where she talked about. Um, and again, I'm not going to do it justice. Um, she talked about how software freedom is at its core about empowerment and she she talked about how this empowerment needs to affect marginalized communities and how you can't have uh, true freedom without free software and um that's a, that's a topic that we've we've touched on uh, in previous episodes it's a topic that i think is uh, a core belief and a core passion for the two of us um, hearing her talk, I got a little emotional, um, kind of started to tear up a little bit. And um, I really want to link to that talk when, uh, when, it, um, when it comes out. So whether it's out by the time that we this episode comes out or not, I think we'll, we'll definitely link to it. Um, yeah. Yeah. So, so we should probably start to wrap up because uh, we've been talking for a while. I think I think we I think you're right about the sprightly thing. We should talk about it um, in, a, in a future episode. Okay. Is there anything else we want to talk about in terms of FOSDEM? Um, maybe you know really quickly if there was any specific talks that you thought were uh, interesting or any topics you want to cover before we wrap uh, up. Yeah, two quick things. Uh, I wanted to mention uh, a that I was interviewed for a student radio uh, out of Slovenia, and I don't know how to pronounce the name of the 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 program but i could we can link to it in the show notes um and they the the two hosts of it were like really great uh it was uh really exciting to hear how excited they were um you know at you know it's as as students about free software and and to see this this keyboard that they had 3d printed themselves and plugged into their computer uh and had like uh you know these old school 
uh, keyboard things like the Space Cadet keyboard features. Uh, that was really cool. And, you know, it was also really inspiring to me to see, you know, um, gosh, I sound so old, but, you know, to see, you know, I, people from, I think, the upcoming generation of, you know, free software folks getting getting really into this stuff. Um, and so I have a talk that I'd like to mention and talk about, but maybe before I do, you should, maybe you want to mention the talk that you got really excited about. Yeah. So the, the talk that I got excited about was about GNU mess. And I think it's mace. I'm going to yeah. mace. Okay. I'm going to butch. If, if I try to, if I try to have the author's name, I have it in front of me, but I am going to totally, so totally I think butcher it's it here. There. It's, it's Yannick. Okay. I, I was going to say his last name, but I, 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 I can't. Uh, I'm sorry. Um, but but Yannick had this amazing talk where he he brought up this issue, which is that um, when you're compiling software, when you're taking the source code and turning it into something that the machine can understand, uh, every kind of compiled program for many, many, many years came out of another another compiler, right? Um, so to comp- how do you how do you compile a compiler? Well, with a compiler, and how do you compile it? Well, you get an older compiler, and uh, not only that, but like how do you run a compiler? Well, you need a bunch of binaries, so you need a binaries to run the compiler, and so you, now you have this circular problem of well, how do you ever have a completely one hundred percent free software operating system in which you know that every byte of code and memory is truly secure. And he talks about how he's solving this problem by building both a tiny little compiler in order to build a bigger compiler, but a a small one that you can understand, um, and also a free environment that bootstraps up just enough to run the compiler. So kind of has this this circular system where it's like, okay, you can understand just this code and you could understand the the um the assembly that comes out of it and potentially um the machine code just because it's so tiny and then you can use that to build the real um you know libc and uh you know the gcc compiler etc so that was really really fun and yeah, exciting for those who don't know i'd uh, i highly recommend reading the paper uh, reflections on trusting trust which is inspired a lot of people in this domain, which basically says, hey, if you have a compiler that you intentionally build a backdoor into, it can build add that backdoor to all future compilers and, and it can be almost impossible to find. And and so the way that Mace is trying to get around it uh is that uh it's what's really fun to me about it is that you've got a a a scheme uh interpreter that um has a tiny C compiler built into it and then a, a C program that can compile the 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 scheme interpreter and they just can compile each other and so uh that that's just a really delightful for me and i know there was a slide that you really enjoyed in particular which is how he explained the problem yeah but then we should we should move on but he he talked about um this this problem of kind of this this idea that the binary is yeah. this um black box right like we don't really understand how by these binaries work it's it's kind of mystery it's kind of magic right and he he likened it to the problem of a recipe for yogurt right so how do you make how do you make yogurt well you 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 get some milk and you add some yogurt and then you get more yogurt (laughs) and 
Um, and that's the problem that we that we in the free software world and actually all computer science world are are in right now, which is that we well, well, how do you compile a compiler? Well, you boot up an operating system and run your compiler against right. it. So so he's right. he's he's creating the system that we can kind of break out of yeah. that cycle. And and hopefully it'll be directly applied in geeks soon so that we can we we can have you know the first fully boot self bootstrap distribution. So yeah, uh, I guess I should mention my favorite talk, and then we should we should close it up, huh? Uh, yeah. Okay. Absolutely. So my favorite talk uh, is uh, uh, I mentioned Arnie, and I I can't remember how to pronounce his last name, but uh, his he gave a talk on Wisp, uh, which unfortunately was a talk right before you came in the room, Serge. Uh, but it was the really amazingly presented, and actually uh, Arnie missed Fosdem a couple years ago and asked me to present his talk on his behalf about WISP, and I did that. Um, but then this time, Arnie gave a much more updated, here's the current state of WISP thing, and it, I don't know. So the whole idea is that a lot of people are scared of Lisp because it's got all these parentheses, and what WISP does is it's still, you can write any Lisp program using WISP as long as it's, you know, kind of parentheses-based, but instead it has Python-like uh, indentation-based syntax. And that's really cool, and the, but what, even though I had already known about it and seen it, um, the way that he presented it was so nice. So I, I, you know, every now and then you see a present a presentation and just not just the content, but the way that the content is presented uh, gets you so excited. And that was this talk for me this year. Oh, that sounds exciting. I'll, I'll definitely watch that. I mean, there there have been attempts to make uh, Lisp like languages that don't use parentheses right. but usually they're, um, they're the a oldest, completely new uh, language implementation they're not like they can just be any list program they're like oh i see so this is so this is like a pre-compiler to another right. list it just basically hides the parentheses in indentation ah. so, oh that's yeah, yeah. cool so that's cool so yeah, yeah if you wanted to write your emacs list config without any parentheses in it you could do it um and stuff like that uh yeah it's really cool uh anyway uh, so that's it. Uh, I think we wanted to uh, wrap up. We're, it looks like we're just a minute away from 40 minutes. So, uh... yeah, so we'll be really quick. Um, so we got enormous uh, uh, energy and feedback at FOSDEM. And uh, we also have gotten some amazing emails from, from listeners. So thank you, listeners. Um, and we love your feedback. So uh, if you want to write us, podcast at LibreLounge.org. Um, you can also find us on the Fediverse at, um, at Libra Lounge at floss.social. Um, we're at Libra Lounge on Twitter. You can find us on IRC. We're on uh, free, uh, free, free node. A uh, free node, excuse me. And uh, we are at uh, yeah, hash, yeah, hash Libra Lounge on, on, on free node. Um, and we we love people that uh, participate. I mean, you don't have to, but we we would love to hear from you. Um, feedback, uh, you know, compliments, complaints, concerns, questions. We love it all. So come join us, hang out with us, and uh, yeah, we'll we'll see you next time. You've been listening to Libre Lounge. You can find and subscribe to us at librelounge.org. This podcast is released under the Creative Commons Attribution Sharealike 4.0 International License. Our theme music is Bossa Nova by Joff, 
which is waived into the public domain under CC0 and which you can find on opengameart.org. If you'd like to support Chris Weber's work on this and other user freedom projects, you can donate at patreon.com forward slash C-W-E-B-B-E-R. Thanks for listening. See you next time.